Hello and a very warm welcome back to season five of the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and in this episode, I'm talking with Yuri Morikawa, a CRR Global faculty member based in Japan, and Rebecca Ho, a CRR Global faculty member based in China, about us in Asian culture. For International Coaching Week, Yuri and Rebecca offered an impactful virtual workshop on empowering deep democracy in organizations with Asian culture, which included both Chinese and Japanese participants. This episode continues the exploration and looks at some of their practices and experiences working in organizations with Asian culture. This conversation covers a range of topics, including the differences that can show up when using ORSC in Asian organizations, challenges around deep democracy in Asian culture, the impact of deep democracy in their personal systems, systems-inspired parenting, and ways to empower ORSC in Asian culture. Yuri Morikawa has been an active player in the professional coaching field since 2004. She's trained and coached more than 1,000 leaders and coaches globally from various backgrounds, such as corporate executives, NGO leaders, business owners, independent professionals, and dream seekers of their own. Prior to her coaching career, Yuri worked as a management consultant, specializing in organizational and leadership development for 13 years. After being a trainer for CTI for eight years, she launched the Organizational and Relationship Systems Coaching Program in Japan and founded CRR Japan in 2009. Currently, she is a global faculty member of CRR Global, developing professional organizational coaches around the world, such as in Japan, China, Singapore, South Africa, and Australia. She is passionate about bringing her professional experience to the biggest social context and works extensively with NGOs in social sectors, such as the Kimono Hashi Project, supporting survivor leaders of human trafficking issues in India, and Asia Rural Institute, educating organic farming and developing servant leadership for rural leaders in Asia and Africa. Rebecca Ho is an ICF Master Certified Coach, Executive Leadership Coach and Training Consultant. She's also a faculty member and front of the room leader at CTI and CRR Global. She leads professional coaching certification programs, including Coactive, ORSC, Neuroscience Consciousness, and Transformational Coaching. She's also a mental coach, supervisor, and examiner for certification coach students. Her major focus areas are one-to-one leadership coaching, team coaching, and the design and delivery of training workshops. Rebecca used to work for Siemens Management Institute for four years. During her service, she worked with internal clients of different business sectors from industry, energy, and healthcare, as well as cross-business sectors. Prior to this, Rebecca worked for IWNC, a multinational training company for 11 years. During that period, she maintained contact with a portfolio of clients and worked with them on the design and delivery of programs. So without further ado, I bring you Yuri Murakawa and Rebecca Ho talking about force in Asian culture. Rebecca, Yuri, welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. I'm so excited to have you both on the show today. Thank you, Katie, for having us today. I'm so excited too. Same here. Thank you. And first experience for me. And I can't wait to dive into this fascinating topic with you both around what ORSC looks like in Asian culture. 
And I wonder if we can start by talking about some of your experiences practicing ORSC in organizations that have primarily Asian culture. Yuri, would you like to? Do you want to start, Rebecca? <laughs> so this is very Asian to start with, right? Would <laughs> <laughs> you like? And we share both. <laughs> okay, so let me start. So um, I start ORSC practice about 15 years ago in Japan. From that place to now, it has changed a lot already. It's hard to generalize. But I like to uh, share some of the characteristics or some of the challenges that I have and also what I hear from my colleagues, practitioners. Like when I work with global organization and very purely Japanese domestic organization, the field and the land is very, very different. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for today, because... We like to focus on the Asian culture and its impact for, you know, Orsk practice. So I uh, like to share a bit of my uh, stories with how I work with the Asian organizations. I mean, the Japanese organization. So in Japanese organization, typically people do not speak up their authentic voice. People usually start from the very outer role voices. And it usually takes very, very long time until they really feel the safety and the meaning of why it is important to speak up the, you know, honest voices and showing their vulnerability and their emotions. And many times people do not custom to asking questions. You know, they, Originally, the first person who speak up is the person that who has uh, the big role, higher role, yeah, higher rank in organization. Okay. And when they look at that hierarchy uh, sequence, and then, you know, people speak, start speaking up. So that dynamic, you know, reading that dynamics in between is the key of my practice or our practice in Japan when we work with the uh, uh, systems. That's fascinating, Yuri. And uh, Rebecca, I was seeing you nod along there. I know you're based in China, but was some of that resonating, what Yuri was saying? Very similar. A lot of things are very similar here. If we're talking about OSC in China, OSC start here later, much later than in Japan. Given that China is in a stage that's fast developing in terms of economy and everything else, so it's very competitive. Very. People, a lot of people, their drivers are fear. I mean, worried of being left behind. Mm. And at the same time, people's attention, a lot, I, I don't say all, but a lot of people, their attention is task, work, result in order to be competitive, right? In order not to be left behind. So when the word relationship system come to here, it's like, what? Relationship and system, <laughs> what about it? So I I took the first class in here in China. I personally, this make a big impact to me is really pay attention to relationship. I remember clearly first time uh, attending CRR faculty meeting. Someone said something simple, saying relationship matters. Relationship needs attention. 
I'm like, what? I know everything. I know every <laughs> single word, but I, in fact, I never really pay attention to, like, consciously pay attention to the important relationships, especially those close relationship, uh, close relationships. Mm. So that's a big impact to me. And the other thing is, as experienced a coach, but doing a lot of one-on-one coaching, it it helped me to have the system awareness. Even though when I'm coaching individuals, so it make a significant impact to the client as well, especially the leaders. So that's about OSC. So OSC in China still uh, in the early stage. So、um, faculty here trying a lot to nurture the market, doing farming.、Um, so long way to go.、Um, the good thing is with the system awareness here in China. They are pioneers. They may not be all coaches, but they are pioneers who pay attention to spirit, soul,、um, psychological development, and all that. So they are starting to pay attention to this. Of course, this has to do with our increasingly improvement of living standard. So that's the big background.、Um, in terms of culture, I. Keep nodding when you tell you those things. I think in China enterprises are quite different. So if we look at those multinational companies, uh, they have more awareness about deep democracy. They have more awareness about diversity, about being open, uh, hearing the voices and all that. If we look at traditional Chinese state-owned company. Especially government, military, of course, it's always top down, right? But you basically just obey the command, obey the order. That's it. You don't, you don't think differently. So、um, that's what happened. And、um, I, I think China is growing as a society nowadays. Companies are very agile,、uh, especially like IT companies. They have. More deep democracy in comparison with traditional companies, so that's the overall trend. But Chinese people are the same, so generally they want to watch, like make sure it's okay. Then they speak out, and we don't get used to ask questions. So when the leader chairing the meeting saying any questions, they're always silence. <laughs> yeah, so silence is the key. So、yeah. we really need to learn how to work with silence. Multinational companies are much better. We're trained to ask questions. That is fascinating because that is so different from what it's like over here in the UK and from my experience living in the US. I'm curious about the impact then of, say, people not being able to speak up. It must be very hard to lean into the the principle of deep democracy in your work, and you must have to, I guess, use different methods to to bring this out in the systems that you work with. Yeah, that's a very important point, Katie, because it took time. I'm curious about、uh, Rebecca's case, but for me, it really took time first to learn that there are deep democracy, even people don't speak up. Oh, wow! Yeah, at the beginning, so many things happened to me, like you know, criticize them. Oh, you know, people don't speak up. People don't have ideas, or willing, not willing to share. Criticizing my client first, 
and then realize that, hey, this is not working. You know, this is not uh, the space that I want to create. This is far behind the change that, you know, we align, you know, at the beginning of what we want for uh, as an outcome of the systems coaching. And then I got criticized many, many times. One time, one of the client, really, I was nearly got fired because they got furious. They got furious because they feel they were forced to speak up. Oh, okay. And they gave me the resistance by silence, asking question, but silence. So there are so many failure stories. <laughs> that must have been so challenging, Yuri. And I guess you were coming in with this toolkit and you've seen it working. I know you've worked all over the world. You've seen it work elsewhere. You must have been so frustrated. I was, I was. So one time, there was one time that I seriously told, I think it was Marita. Yeah, I, I seriously told Marita that, uh, why did you create this tool? This, <laughs> really, this is not working in my land. And I even got criticized. And I feel like they hit me by bazooka. So I feel like I'm, uh, you know, full of holes by shooting by my clients. And it's painful. Yeah. And there's one time, you know, Marita was, uh, you know, really silently, patiently listened to me. And she said, well, Yuri, that must be hard. You must feel lighter now. Yes, I felt lighter. <laughs> because now all the shooting was my ego and trying to force and forced to change the system, forced to change the culture that they were proud of, or they were created using so many years, and they have a good memory in this tradition and culture. So I had to change, and I had to learn how to listen to them while they're speaking from outer voice, what sounds like not true, but actually, there is authentic voice inside of those superficial voices. Rebecca, how does it land in your land? Yeah, you know, deep democracy is something that I think we need to educate the client. And we need to keep educating the client. And uh, we, take, we do it step by step. So I, I really love the edge work. So we meet a client in their primary we notice the edge behavior and we smartly dance with that and take them to the secondary. That's what I'm learning. So as because I myself uh, was a trainer as well, so I sort of know the culture and the people, especially if you're in a system, you have a lot of extroverted. It's even harder <laughs> to have speak out, right? Sometimes what I do is I create some activities or design some process in order to help them to in order to create that deep, deep democracy according to this system, according to where they are. Uh, and gradually, the, they, once they can do a little, then stretch them a little bit more. So yeah, I, for me, I have to bring in the meta skill of trust and the patient as well. A lot of time, playfulness, 
Yeah, playfulness is such an ally, isn't it, in this work? Absolutely. What I was noticing from what you were both saying there is that there's an awareness, not just of the system that you're working with, but also those wider systems. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So really, uh, that is time spirit, right? And ghost. Yes. And making them as an ally is, I think it's one of the key when we work with the Asian culture or the organization that has a strong cultural background. So how do you go about working then with some of these challenges? Rebecca, you're pointing to some of those techniques you use, but I think this will be so useful for our listeners who perhaps work with organisations who have primarily Asian culture or also multicultural teams, because I think we can be very biased to uh, one style of communication or that more extroverted way of being. Yeah. And it would be great to hear what's worked for you both. One example I can think of is that we did a two-day team coaching for a extended leadership team. The background is merge and acquisition. So it's their mischange, right? One design is, of course, to hear all the voices. So we have the choice of use the classic deep democracy, which we didn't because we really, we were not sure if they can have that courage to go to a chaos process in order to hear all the voices. So instead, what we did was we had them to identify those key stakeholders relating to their change and then divide them into groups that embody those stakeholders having a discussion. So to embody their voice, like how do they see the change? What would be the impact of this change? And then they take turns to share in the big group. So. The classic de- democracy is very unique, right? All the voices come out at the same time. So for some people, they really don't get used to this and they don't get a clue. They are left brain, missing a piece of clarity so they can't work properly. So because that structure and because of the smaller groups, great discussion, it gave them a space to get organized and speak out in the way that they can. So it worked out fine. Yeah, like um, really makes sense. And they do hear all the voices, which actually stretch their awareness and their mindset. So that's a technique uh, I use a couple of times. That's brilliant. And it feels like you're leaning more than into the collective wisdom, as opposed to say the individual having to decide what this voice might say. They're in small groups working out together and kind of holding the deep democracy principle in those groups yeah, and then coming up with ideas around what those voices might might say. And also, you know, um, some of the leaders, Chinese leaders, they don't have the mindset of deep democracy yet. <laughs> yet. And because they want to drive the result, it happens that during the workshop, during the team coaching, they want to take over. Oh, that could be, uh, <laughs> could be a barrier of deep democracy. So another technique I learned as we train our Oscars, we really have to prepare this senior leader, this top leader. We have to sometimes manage him or her in order to embrace the deep democracy in the room. Wow. I didn't even think about that. And just to say, I think many leaders and many of us are still working at deep democracy. I'm sorry. And it shows up in different ways, I think, those challenges for sure. I was taking notes as I listened to Rebecca and, oh, what a great idea. I can use that. (laughs) Yeah. So 
Actually, uh, in Japan, when I work with the Japanese organization, I do something very similar too. So if we use our concept of Orsk Mura, M-R-A, then uh, the first M, meat part, I find it super important. Yeah, so really meeting with the first, with the leaders who have a higher rank and authority and being the sponsor for the team, really uh, let him or her to understand like why we, you know, this style of listening to the deep democracy is important and listening to the deep democracy does not mean, it may sound like a criticism to you, but don't take it personally. It's a voice of the system. So those kind of very, and I say, thorough setting up and sometimes education to leaders, mm. one of the key. And because of that, we can create the safety in the system at the beginning. So the psychological safety at the beginning is another key for the team members to feel relaxed and to feel the trust for the space. And then whatever happens, I think ORSC skills really can help us. Now, one of the, I think, key is really the reading the emotional field. Whatever they say, don't trust just the words, but really, really listen to the energy of the words and grab the words with pure energy you know, pure emotions, pure energy, and then uh, highlight that and ask questions. And then it will help us to deepen the field and emotional field and uh, level of the reality to the deeper level, I noticed. You must have become a master, both of you, masters at listening at that deeper level, if you're always sort of listening to what's not being said between the words. Yeah. I'm learning and it uh, doesn't feel like I'm getting close to the master. It's really, uh, it's a humbling practice, really. It feels like a lot of things are dripping down from the fingers. Yeah. And it's fascinating though, because we are very, um, we're very focused on the words that we use. And I think we're very biased towards that channel of information. Yeah. And I think because of that, sometimes as coaches, we focus primarily on what the client says. And then we miss all these other things. So it's sort of amazing that you've had this training ground in Asian culture that actually has forced you to really lean into the emotional field and kind of bypass the words sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't that the interesting, Rebecca, where we worked mm. together with the Asian leaders? Uh-huh. Like when we used the nonverbal way, like a drawing or finding the picture that resonates with their feelings. And that was one of the most vibrant moments that we noticed. I remember that clearly. And Katie, that's the other way of creating deep democracy. That's another um, technique we use. So I I totally echo um, what Yuri um, said. I think Osc keep uh, as an Oscar, consciously paying attention to we call uh, SI, relationship intelligence, RSI, social intelligence, and RSI, relationship uh, intelligence is very important. And the more we train ourselves, the more neural pathway we have. So it becomes part of us. Yeah, that's that's really um, helpful when we're working with relationship systems. Yeah, I also found, I remember just last week, 
I worked with a group of people for a, a big pharmaceutical company. Majority of them were introverted. First day was quite tough because they never had a such a thing in five past five years. So first day was very slow. So I was looking for some way to have them to have more deep democracy. So day two, I use the experiential activity, very simple one. So all of a sudden they start talk and you just cannot stop them. So that's where I see deep de democracy. Uh, and also they are always a voices that are, uh, some voices are stonewalling themselves. I also find while we're working with a relationship system, sometimes we do have to pay attention to some of the individuals like a separately, like a being curious, showing care. That's what I did in last week. Once I did that, all of a sudden, this guy changed a lot. He starts to pay attention rather than walking away. Like uh, he started putting down his mobile phone. He started to talk. So um, I guess for Oscar, we really have to be patient and totally echo with Yuri, like uh, paying attention to what's happening unfold at any time and championing the system patience it sounds so simple but it's not easy is it and um, i think that's something that we all need in this work because so often i think we're we're rushing to get a system over an edge and when you mentioned about individuals can stonewall themselves i'm always curious in the toxins grid where it says the antidote for stonewalling you are a voice of the system so speak up and that's another one where it's sort of simple but not easy because that could take a lot of time and patience as a coach to help that happen. And interesting, Katie, as I speak and also listen to Rebecca speaks, I feel like although we are speaking about Asian culture, but actually <laughs> we are talking about the very fundamental, you know, practice of systems coaching. So interesting. And this conversation in itself is a deep democracy because I realised that you know you're also voices of your respective lands and you're speaking up on behalf of that and I guess I'm curious because I'm wondering whether you were both sort of born with the sense of speaking up and deep democracy or whether it's something that you've had to really work at given that your cultures don't necessarily encourage that in quite the same way that the western cultures might. I'm definitely not by nature. <laughs> okay you know, um, part of my secret self, which still exists, that part of me is very shy, lack of confidence. Okay. So I, I worry that I say wrong things. I worry I look stupid, right? And I'm a very introverted person. So I tend to think thoroughly, then I speak out. Deep democracy, when we say meta skill of assertiveness, it took me many years to learn that. And personally, uh, I find once I grow my skills, I grow my uh, meta skill at uh, at the same time. What I realize, so the more I'm competent and capable, the more I can be open, playful. Then I have more deep democracy. Uh, I have more courage when I work with relationship systems. What about you, Yuri? Yeah, well, I can resonate many parts of what you said. And also, I have many selves, like two of you. <laughs> I am naturally extroverted person, but at the same time, deep democracy is something very different. 
right? Ex being extrovert mm. and being able to hold the spirit of deep democracy. For me, it's very, very different. And one of the things is I have a strong outer role of responsible elder daughter, like oldest daughter of the family. So somehow this role really, you know, makes me put into the special, you know, very special position, like listening to others first and find the spot that is needed in the space. And I take the role to fulfill and make everybody happy. Having that role and inner role or outer role, and that leads me to have very challenging to speak up my authentic voice, especially when disappointing others and disappointing elders or disappointing families. This process of becoming a systems coach really trained me so much to become who I am now. That's such an interesting point there you made, Jiri, around being an extrovert doesn't mean you're any good at deep democracy. And it made me think that I used to be very much a people pleaser. And whilst I was extroverted, that didn't mean I was any good at deep democracy. Yes. And I think in many ways, being an extrovert might actually do the opposite of deep democracy. You might just say, oh, everything's great. I'm having a wonderful day. And that doesn't actually lead to the truth. No. And so I guess there's just different ways of, whole, if we've got a more introverted team, there's different ways of holding the deep democracy within that system. But it's wonderful that we've separated it out because I think that distinction is probably happening for a lot of coaches right now, that if you're a voice of the system, speak up, that's got to be someone who's extroverted, but actually maybe not. Yeah. What we really want is the vulnerable, authentic voice. This process, this journey of uh, being a systems coach and being a world worker is really train myself to have a courage and a trust to the system to speak up the authentic, vulnerable voice. Even it's in the family system. Yeah. Uh, Kitty, I, I'm quite similar to what you said, people pleaser, because while my top value is harmony, like I know very clear, I, I used to be very afraid of conflict. So because of that, I tend to not go too deep. And when there are democracy voices in the system, I notice I myself get to an edge, like being there and holding them. The more I work in this field, the stronger I become. So I can still tell now, noticing my body sensation, but I know I can handle it. So that's where I feel very gratitude for doing this work. I keep saying to these people in China who are still um, wondering if they should take the course or not. I said, this is not about taking the certificate. It's about leadership development. It's about our own leadership development. And not only as a professional, but also as a person. That's huge. And so there's been both deep democracy for you in terms of you mentioned during your family systems. And Rebecca, it sounds like you're saying also that deep democracy within self, that system of me. Yeah. What's been the impact of that for you and your, your personal lives? I realise we're moving from the professional to the personal. Yeah, how has deep democracy played a role in sort of where you are today? Okay, you want me to start first? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I think the biggest impact, and it's a successful impact, is between me and my daughter. 
by the way, she almost accepted the offer of Goldsmiths, which in London. But finally, she decided to go to Chicago. <laughs> so what I learned is because Chinese way of parenting is quite uh, hands-on and tally. And uh, some of parenting style could be very like a servant parent. Like I do everything for you. Otherwise, I'm not a good mother. So the overall thing are sort of still like that. And so what I'm learning as a coach is like really trust my daughter. Let her make decisions for her own life. So deep democracy, like let her speak out. And sometimes she doesn't. Then I have to smartly paying attention, like listening, use coach listening skills to reading the emotional field and see where she is. So I really, really learned people and so as relationship systems are naturally creative and resourceful. So she basically make her own decision. And some of them are big decisions like keep learning in traditional Chinese education system or transfer to a bilingual school, meaning that study abroad. She decided to drop her IB learning, even though she was competent. She wanted to have more time to do the art thing. So we agreed. And finally, she got, she re received several offers, top, top universities. So I really learned uh, deep democracy mean, uh, has the meaning of giving the obligation and authority to that person, to the relationship system, trusting them they will learn by themselves. They will make the best decision that they could. You know, it's not easy for me to do it that way because it's very different with traditional parenting style. So I got criticized by a bigger system. Uh, I mean, feminist system here for not doing what I should in their perspective. Mm. So for that part, I don't think I did a good job about deep democracy. So sometimes I had to stonewalling myself in order to not being so impacted by that ways in order to draw a boundary. So I kept asking myself in that part of the family system, if I'm courage enough, I can like sit down with them have the deep democracy sort of conversation with them, like be more courageous to tell them this is where I am. So that's the area that I'm still looking at. That is a wonderful example of what Marita would call systems-inspired parenting. It's quite inspirational for me right now. I mentioned to you both offline, I'm pregnant with twins yes. and, and <laughs> twin girls as well. So girls similar to you both. Yeah, I think there's a lot that comes up around. I'm sure there's things you, you feel you know yeah. and that you want to tell them. And actually how to lean into that coach approach. I'm sure it's much harder when you care that much. Yeah, exactly. So I do a lot of self-management. I have to <laughs> like shut down myself, come back to my room, like uh, close the door in order to manage myself. And Kitty, I can't hold to tell you she will be taking her last module of coactive coaching. She did all the intermediate and she next week she's taking synergy. Wow. And being at the age of 17, I'm sure she's the youngest in China. That's amazing. I was her client. She might be the youngest in the world. That's amazing. I was her client for a couple of times. She did a fantastic coaching. You know, this gave me another uh, realization. Deep democracy in parenting 
that really unleash the potential of the child. It's amazing. And what a toolkit for a 17-year-old to have to go out into the world with. I wish I'd had this at 17. Wow. And I just want to highlight that your daughter, Rebecca, your daughter is so lucky to have you as a mother. Yes. You know, having this woman with the lion heart, with huge courage, and with the warrior and being protector of her potential from all these time spirit. Mm. And that's how she blooms. Well, uh, yeah, I just want to highlight that. Thank you. It's not easy, but it's really worthwhile. And Yuri, you mentioned about your family before, and I'm curious how how deep democracy has shaped the way you show up in those personal systems. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish I can bring more of my learning as a professional, bringing that to the family system, because I have so much of the failure story, especially with the relationship with my husband. At the beginning of our relationship, by the way, we have uh, had 25th anniversary of our marriage <laughs> this oh, year. Congratulations. <laughs> wow, 25 years. Yeah, amazing, right? And we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but at least when we look back that how we came along together, I cannot ignore the impact of Orsk. So at the beginning uh, of our relationship, I now I look back, I have full of assumptions and crowded glasses to look at him with time spirit, like the man is, Japanese men's are, he said this because of blah, blah. And all that was nothing to do with who he was. But I made it up to protect myself. So I was, you know, willingly hijacked by the time spirit and spoke from the, you know, spoke from that place and criticized him. And in Japan, like still, it's a male dominating society in, you know, especially in the business field. But actually in the, you know, family system, roles are actually internal, uh, inner system are different, but it's very, very easy to take the victim's role. Yes. Sitting in the victimized place of being a woman and criticizing my partner because of his gender, which is nothing to do with who he is. So it really, as I speak, I get emotional because uh, I have a lot of uh, guilt feeling around that. I feel sorry for him that I was not listen to what he really meant, what he really felt. And I didn't acknowledge enough of his introvertedness and the deep democracy within that introverted voice. So um, our relationship really grew me in big time <laughs> to be the better listener of listening to the the energy of purity within the words, emotional, you know, field, and the pure voice, authentic voice, even underneath of the outer roles. One of the great thing about my husband, can I laugh a little bit about my husband? Of course. <laughs> he was a really courageous man to stand in between myself 
and his own parents and his own bigger uh, family system, which can be a big hindrance for many, many professional women. Yeah, it's so easy to give up all career or all way of living or, you know, own authenticity because of complying to the family request or expectation. So one of the things that I'm very, very grateful for him is that he always, he always on the side of me and empowering to live uh, who I am and also creating the our family, authentic family, which was super courageous thing that he did. And now I can be grateful and appreciate for that. And it took me a long, long time to realize what it means. Beautiful, Yuri. So thank you for sharing that. And I think what your example points to is how deep democracy can show up in subtle and small ways. And as someone like yourself who's a bit more extroverted, I think sometimes I don't honor those those smaller, simpler ways. My husband is also more introverted and quieter and actually how that can be courageous and a strength in its own way. But it can take some time to honor that that secondary because it's not so familiar yeah you're even this second time i'm listening to this story i still feel very touched and i i feel happy for you for your third entity the wisdom of your third entity yeah i admire your courage as well thank you rebecca beautiful seeing how deep democracy can show up in all these different ways and I think sometimes we do have a sense of, well, my way is the right way. This is what deep democracy looks like to me or in my cultural system. And actually, real deep democracy honours that it shows up in so many different ways. It could be silence or it could be walking away. That could be a form of deep democracy. And I think to honour that and acknowledge that is so important, both as systems coaches, but also as people in the world. Yeah. I wonder if we can finish by um, talking about why you feel it's important to continue to empower deep democracy in Asian culture. First thing come to me is, I think in China especially, we're in a stage people call it the wuka or bani. I say this is a vulnerable time for human. So deep democracy to me has a such acceptance, curiosity, and compassion as well, out of heart. So this is a great thing to support human to go through this vulnerable time. And it's a collective awareness development. Globally, people need to hold hands, <laughs> like going through this time. That's what I think of. Yes, that's a powerful way of putting it. I feel like I'm echoing what Rebecca has just said. Deep democracy feels like the best way, from my own knowledge, for empowering the human evolution, wherever, whatever the cultural background is. And deep democracy really requires vulnerability and deep listening. And once it's there, once it's there, that it helps us to have higher dream for relationship and higher dream for what is what's possible so i i uh, i found that's exactly what we need we all need it's uh, the pathway to 
happiness and human evolution. Wonderful. And it leaves me feeling very hopeful that we can use this at all of the levels in our own system, in our systems with our partners, our friends, our colleagues, and then in those wider cultural systems too, and how that can be the pathway for our, for our evolution. Thank you both so much for this beautiful conversation, but also embracing the principle of deep democracy today. I feel this has been very much a, a process of practicing what we preach. So thank you. Thank you so much, Katie, for hosting this amazing conversation. Yeah, thank you. A big thanks to Yuri and Rebecca for that really insightful discussion. Here are my key takeaways. Deep democracy can be present even when people don't speak up. If this shows up, it can be useful to hold the silence as a voice of the system. How can we make silence an ally as opposed to marginalising it when it shows up? When we sense that something isn't being said, we can practice deep listening in order to listen beyond the words and tune into the authenticity that lives behind the superficial voices. Pay attention to relationships, to the spaces in between people. What is going on at the level of the relationship, in the team or partnership you're working with? Deep democracy can show up in many ways, and it can look very different in a different culture. What works with one culture or one system may not work with another. So as with any tool, it's essential that we meet the system where it's at. Reading the emotional field is an essential skill set for leading a deep democracy process. It's important that we don't just trust the words being said, but that we really listen for the energy with which they're being said. Highlighting this to the group can help to deepen the emotional field and their sense of themselves as a system. For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams and practitioners on their journey to build stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. CRR Global's unshakable belief is that relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. For more information, please visit crrglobal.com.